0: this is american real where we aim to inspire empower and enlighten you through the stories of our guests here's your
1: host roger brooks
0: how important is it for people to be good listeners when they're in their meeting uh, to let that person talk let the person tell their story let's start there
1: I'm gonna change it from good listener. I think the greatest skill that a salesperson, anybody in a sales conversation should have, the greatest skill is the ability to ask the right questions. Because you know, most people don't wrap their head around that they're supposed to listen because they don't always understand what they're supposed to be listening for. For, for me, I wanna go in and be able to ask the questions that make people go, oh, holy shit, I've never thought about it that way. And one of the coolest ways to connect is asking the right and proper questions.
0: What if you had a dream or desire to write your first book? You could finally share your story or express your views about a topic or subject you are passionate about. And what if 2020 became the year your dream became a reality? Turn a new chapter in your life, literally. Join me for a live webinar where I'll share my 10-step program for writing a best-selling book. Register now, seats are limited. Don't miss it. I believe in you. Your best-selling book is waiting to be written. Don't let another week slip by this is american real i am roger brooks my guest today is donnie bovine you are an award-winning professional sales trainer top 200 itunes podcaster marine Corps veteran and owner of your profitable success champions business ladies and gentlemen you better be ready Donnie Bovine. Donnie, welcome to the show.
1: Roger, thanks for having me, dude. I'm so looking forward to this, man. Uh, I've been watching a lot of your stuff, checking out your show, checking out everything you guys are doing, and you guys are doing some hot and heavy things, brother. Well done. Thank well you. Done.
0: The feeling is mutual. I love connecting with folks like you because there's just that you know, ethos. You have that ethos that that so many of us have right now with uh LinkedIn's going crazy. Oh, nuts. Podcasting is, is just changing the world. I know you're coming out with a new book really soon. So yep. we have so much in common, yet we're from opposite ends of the country. But more importantly, you got up this morning. Tell <laughs> everyone why you were up early today.
1: So I own a farm and I love telling other people I know a farm because I'm one of the few guys, I mean, I don't know anybody else that's out speaking on stages, doing podcasts and everything else and still has to work or worry about, you know, baby goats being born in the morning. So literally I was out in the barn a few years, few hours ago. This is what, six thirty in the morning we're recording this and I've already been up for a couple of hours taking care of, you know, the baby goats that are being born. Cutest things in the world. I'll have to send you some videos so you can throw in some B roll in this thing. Um, but, but yeah, so, so all this stuff and that I'm doing with the conferences, the books, the speaking podcasts, the Facebook groups, and in the midst, I'm still running a full operational farm. So, so this is, it's been one hell of a journey and some might call me crazy, but I love it. I love it.
0: And <laughs> oh, what I love about it is it's your unique ability, right? That's who you are. That's how yeah. you were born and raised on, on the farm. We talked a little bit about that offline, um, and That's what's so cool about it. Everyone has their own (laughs) thumbprint in life. And all those experiences of who we are and where we came from, if we connect the dots backwards,
1: well, you know, what's interesting about that, Roger, is you know, for years I didn't tell people I grew up on a farm. You know, because because the era I grew up with sales, you know, it was you dressed a certain way, you looked a certain way, you carried yourself, and my God, you better not have any sort of accent, twang, you better, for the love of God, don't say y'all, you know. And and this whole thing. And so, I mean, I when I was younger, I was running around twenty-two, twenty-three Vice president of the company, gray haired dude walks up to me and said, Donnie, you know, you cannot have a twang, you know, you know, in corporate America whatsoever. They will look at you like you're a freaking idiot. So and he wasn't wrong because the first few meetings that I went to, my accent came out and I don't have a strong accent, but my accent came out and I had these executives looking at me like, who's this? And they could have been looking at me because of my age. I don't know really irrelevant. But, you know, I spent most of my journey trying to play the role, if you will, you know, so I was trying to buy the right suits and cars and, and everything so I could fit what they thought I should look like. And it wasn't till years later that I realized, because early portion of my sales career was all transactional, because I wasn't really connecting with people. It was the Grant Cardone style, let me punch you in the face, you know, the deal's going to get done no matter what, you know, because that's kind of stuff that I kept feeding my head is that was sales, and so, you know, I closed great deals, but the business wouldn't last long because no part of me was authentically in that showing up in the moment, so it was, it took me about 10 years after that moment to finally let my hair down let people know that I was a Marine Corps veteran, you know, talk about the farm life. And it was wild when I made that transition, it was like the world kind of came in and said, Hey, about damn time, you showed up. And, you know, so it was, it was a cool learning curve for me,
0: man. I'll tell you what, I get the chills and this has <laughs> happened now a couple of times when we've talked that I was on such a similar road, just, a you know, my own way, you know, I didn't have the accent, but I had the new, <laughs> road, right. So, um, but, but just the whole, the whole process and journey of becoming authentic. I mean, here I am, 50 years old. Um, I think you're a little bit behind me, right? Yeah,
1: 42, 42. Yeah, well, so actually 43 this next week.
0: Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Happy birthday, early. Um, but, but it's taken us a while, right, to, to figure that out. So the earlier, our younger generation, I think they're actually more in tune anyway to yeah. being themselves maybe because of social media, but, um, man, I wish I, I, I knew
1: that earlier. You know, I, I play with that a little bit because I don't know. I mean, I, for a while I told people I'm a slow learner. But it really comes back to I just learned it when I learned it, you know. And and if I didn't go through the things that I've been through in my life, I wouldn't be who I am today. Great point. And, and you know, so so as I've continued on this journey, I've screwed up a lot of shit along the way. <laughs> But I look at the stuff that I've made bad decisions, bad moves, anything else, and they've really molded me to who I've become. And in some cases calloused me to be able to take bigger hits um, as as I've moved forward. Uh, doesn't mean the hits don't suck. You know, you're just more prepared when they come <laughs> right. you know, uh, as I continue to move forward. and. Talking about these, this younger generation, God, I love them. Uh, And and the reason is they grow up in a world of, of possibility and entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneur world. They can do whatever the hell they want and they're bucking the system. This is what I love is they don't want this corporate jobs. They don't want to sit in a cubicle. They don't want, and, and I love every freaking minute of it because, why should they have to? That was like me having to wear a suit, you know, follow the routines, do the thing. I mean, with a damn cell phone, you can freaking do whatever the hell you want. You no, know,
0: and I'm so glad you said that
1: because it's progress, right? It's a yeah. generation of progress.
0: Um, we we are fortunate to have a bunch of interns from our local university work with us, and they do they do so much of the behind the scenes work, and they I mean they don't even care about the pay. They just want the experience, right? And they just want to be in their environment. They want to wear what they want to wear. So I can so relate with what you said, and and it is. It's an important lesson, and and, and you're right. I mean, it the fact that we have been through everything that we've been through, not only us but all, all of our listeners <laughs> right. there, that makes us who we are, and and that's really uh, you yeah. know the main thing.
1: Yeah, and it's been fun to to look at my own personal evolution but it's more fun watching other people's evolve and when they start recognizing they're getting to that next level and things are starting to happen um, that's for me probably one of the greatest moments in life is when somebody else can turn that corner it's just, um, I it's it's the whole reason I'm in business you know doing all the stuff that I'm doing is to watch people you know get to that next level version of themselves it's a beautiful beautiful thing
0: totally agree and let's talk about two two words came to mind as you were speaking earlier one was awareness mm. aware and two relationships you said you, mm. you did these deals really without you know too much connecting connection so uh, how important are those two things
1: well you know it's interesting to to me uh, i spent 20 years pretty much a straight commission sales guy and during that run i would have told you a couple things i would have told you i was outworking everybody um, up before everybody stayed late, you know, all that. And I also told you that I knew exactly who I was. Right. And those two things would have been truths along that journey. Let me promise you two things. In addition to that, it wasn't until I launched my business, ran the damn thing straight into the ground before I rebuilt it all that I finally understood who the hell Donnie Bovine was. Because because I don't think, I mean, there may be a few gems in this world that can figure it out, but I don't think until you're stacked up against it, you have no excuses left, nobody else left to blame, and you realize this entire world is on you, do you finally discover who the hell you are. And you know that moment when I was looking at my wife and saying, babe, we're about to lose our dream farm, you know, which is not only affected us, but I built a second house on the property for my in-laws. You know, they were going to be out, you know, we were going to lose everything. My world was crashing down. And she said the magic phrase, "Hun, get off your ass and go sell something that, that I realized that I, in my journey had never fully met Donnie. And I can tell you, looking back over those 20 years, I was a lazy ass. I thought I worked hard, dude, there, there was no, no hard work in that run. There was some long hours, but, but now that my entire world is centered around, I can only get to where I can go because I'm doing the work, I'm putting in the time, I'm mentally upgrading. Dude, Donnie is a whole different person than I thought I was. So awareness is huge, but you've gotta to get to that spot in life to where you have you have a reason to meet you. And I think until you've you've stacked up against it, it's very hard to, to meet you. And then, you know, as far as connections, you this world doesn't revolve without a handshake a hug a zoom call you know uh, you can't get anywhere you want in life without connecting with people and making them lifelong friends acquaintances business partners um everything else it's it's put it into a sales perspective you can't get a deal done until you know them period you know, and and the the world is such an evolutionary state right now with everything that's happening from sales to business to everything. You know that this connection is going to continue to play such a major role as we move forward. So, I'm, it's- s-
0: I'm so glad you said that, Donnie. Uh, if you could expand on that a little bit, again for listeners that maybe in this stage right now where they think they have the relationship, mm. what does it actually mean to develop a relationship? Before? You know, and this could be anything in life. Yeah, yeah,
1: totally, totally. No, early in my career, it was about getting the deal done, right? So there was, one of my bosses came to me at one point and he said, Donnie, tell me the first name of your clients. And I was like, cool, first name, all the way down the line. So mm. tell me the last name. And I think I got about 50% of them. Like, tell me who they're married to, and I couldn't. Like, they like tell me what they drive. No idea. You know, they they kept asking me these right. questions, right. and and I just didn't have the answers because I didn't give a shit. Right. It was transactions for me, so so it took me realizing that I had left my southern hospitality, my my roots somewhere along the way and I had to flip to where I got to know and truly connect with people. See, I believe my job in this world when I'm in a sales call, or or in a networking convention or a conference, or whatever, my job is to get to know somebody so well that I can grow their business. I mean, literally that that we can connect so strongly that when I walk away from that transaction, I know immediately who I needed to go talk to to make that introduction so they can grow their business and get further. It's not about me trying to sell my stuff and, and get them into me and my brand. It's 100%. How do I, what things do I need to know about them? How do I embrace them, their business, everything that they're doing? So I can grow their business. And it's amazing when you make that mental shift of getting to know somebody so well that you can grow their business, how more genuine you are. I'm just so curious about people, their journey, their rise, their story. I mean, that's the whole point of my podcast is to hear the story behind the story, right? You know, and the mindset of it. And it's it's fascinating to to meet with somebody and because I don't think people are often asked, I mean people have got 20 year careers. I want to know the story of that 20 year career. What'd you do? I mean, because all of that stuff, like we talked about earlier, has shaped someone to where they are now. And there's a genuineness in this. Um, and, and I think if more people would pause to understand the person they're talking to come from a perspective of how do they grow their business? How do they help them in their career? How do they further their life? How do they, you know, give them something that, that money can't necessarily buy. It will change the dynamic and the approach of how people continue to show up in this world. Um, and it, it helped my career tremendously and it's helped the business. amazingly.
0: Totally agree. And again, let's, let's keep going with this cause this is so important. I think for so many people, what happens if the sales manager says, come on, what's, going, what's taking so long? Why are they?" <laughs> you know? How does someone actually measure that and, and talk to their, you know, communicate internally about the importance of building these relationships?
1: Well, I, I th- think most sales managers just aren't good sales managers. And, and unfortunately, what happens most times in, in the sales game is they take the top rep and they make him sales manager right? So two things happen. One, the company just took their greatest asset out of the field, which is the stupidest move I've I've ever seen a company do. And two, this lone wolf, number one salesperson has no idea how to teach what he's done or she's done. Right? So now they're in a role of frustration because they just don't understand why people don't do what they already come, you know, as they've learned to do naturally for themselves. And so so when you get that sales manager looking at you going, dude, we gotta get something done. I think it's on the sales manager to understand a couple of things of what's the natural sales cycle. You know, how long does a deal actually take? What's the lifetime value of that client when it does come through? And And, you know, can we, now there's definitely, some goosing that needs to happen along the way of, Hey, you know, I get it. You've dove in. Now we've got to, you know, turn this into an actual thing. But, but most sales managers, they're in a transactional mindset of let's get the deal done. Not understanding that let me work until I get a piece of the pie and that piece of the pie may be $5,000 now but if you just let me do what I do, it'll be a $2 million account, you know, two and a half, three years down the road. Um, and I mean, cause that's how most of my biggest clients, you know, ended up being that way is we do one small deal and then you just dive to hell in and you grow the crap out of it and, and you watch it light up. But in the sales manager's defense, most salespeople aren't salespeople, they're customer service reps. Um, they're out there just making friends and not turning that into business. You know, um, I, I, when I was doing uh, sales training, I was with Sandler training for seven or so years, partner in a company and all that. Um, but as I was, you know, going through that process, I'd get these, older guys that would look at me like this young buck wiper snapper, like who the hell is this guy going to teach anything? And it'd be so funny. They they would come up and they would tout how many years they'd been in sales, right? Like I've been, you know, 25 years in sales. And I'm like, great. Why are you sitting in my class? They're like, I don't know. The company thinks I need to sit here. But I've got 25 years in sales, you can't teach me anything. I said, brother, let me be honest with you. You don't have 25 years in sales, you got year 1 repeated fucking 25 times. Don't freaking tell me you got 25 years or your ass wouldn't be sitting here. You have not evolved, you've not grown. You've been doing the same crap you did 25 years ago. Otherwise, you'd be the number one in the company and the company would be looking at you going, "What the just keep doing what you're doing." Um, and what's that but,
0: reality check like for for those Individual. Oh,
1: dude! I got into so many heated, warm discussions with these guys, and the ones that the light bulb finally went off—man—they end up becoming some of the greatest reps in those companies because they finally swallowed a humility pill. Um, and most times, I can could get somebody to to actually internalize those words. And when you show them that they can make a few tweaks in the conversation, few tweaks in how they're approaching people and how they're showing up and stop worrying about what the other person thinks about them. Cause that's what screws most people up is they'll go into a business call, a sales conversation, everything else. And it's like, they got a whiteboard on their chest saying, Hey, please tell me what I'm worth. Will you write on here what I'm worth? And they, they, Forget about connecting because they're trying to say what they think that person wants to hear to to make them go, you're a good salesperson, you're a good, you know, whatever. And it, it totally derails the conversation when somebody could literally show up and go, man, thanks for inviting me in. I know this is probably the craziest question in the world, but would you mind telling me your story? How'd you get here? And dude, if more people would start sales calls like that, it completely changes the dynamic of the sales call. Because you know, for me, going back to the young kid, I created a three ring binder because I was selling commercial printing and I, a three ring binder with everything, like samples and all this shit we printed out and everything. I'd walk up to somebody and I might as well took that thing and just smash them over the head with it a Prospect because I'd walk up, slam the thing down on the desk, not really slam it, but I put it down and I start flipping through, this is all the shit we can do, right? And their eyes were glazed over within five minutes, but I didn't freaking know because I'm trying to show them, wow them with all this crap, and never, never getting to know them, never, you know, connecting with them. And it, it, it. Like I said the early years of sales for me were a fun adventure.
0: And Donnie, it's the same thing. You know, I relate that to today with say a PowerPoint. You don't want to mm-hmm. go into a meeting, right, with and bore them with a PowerPoint, even if you do have great stuff.
1: Yep. Nah. I mean somebody asked me on another interview they're like what is the the, what should you take into a sales call and my answer was you that's it I don't even want you to get a pen pencil pad of paper nothing just you right because anything you take into that room you're going to use as a crutch right it's going to be something that 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 you're going to lean on to help you keep that's all you guys gotta do is, is is pretend that that conversation is like a game of tennis. Every time they hit that ball with the fence to you, knock it right back to them. It's, it's like an interrogation room without the interrogation is there's that light. Anytime that light's on you, kick it back to them, right? Get to know them. Spend time undercovering who they are So you can, guys, here's the thing. Everybody loves buying stuff. We all do it. We do it every weekend, at least at minimum. We're at Home Depot, Lowe's, we're at the grocery store, wherever you shop doing your stuff and you're buying crap, right? With with the guise of, you know, you're going to do some sort of project or you're hungry, whatever the reason, right? You're buying crap. We all love to buy. We just hate to be sold. And the problem is, is people are so worried about what that person thinks about them. They're so concerned with the outcome of that sales call. They're so concerned with that whole transaction that in trying not to be a salesperson, they come across as a damn salesperson. They actually come across as that jackass they're trying not to be because they get nervous. They bring that crazy energy in the room. They're not connecting. So it all defaults back to this, this whole, I don't know, let me tell you how awesome we are because they got nothing else to do. They got nothing else to say and, and don't know how to connect with people.
0: And I think there is a, a small disclaimer there. We, we don't. We don't want people. We don't want salespeople to go into a meeting with nothing if they are supposed to be prepared and they're presenting to an entire team, right? Well, so there's yeah, a it's for everything.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely positioning for everything. But you know, if if I was given parameters of what this whole project could do, I mean, so. So Mary Kay was one of my largest accounts I've ever had in my company. Um, it was a multimillion dollar transactional account for me when I sold commercial printing and my first big sales meeting with, with them. When I went in, I literally, I I'd met the guy who ran the print shop. He introduced me to vice president of marketing. She introduced me to the vice president of operations, vice president of operations, introduced me to the legal team. And I think, there was accounting in there as well. I literally went to their receptionist and said, hey, I need to schedule a meeting in your boardroom. And she kind of looked at me funny cause I'm an outsider and she goes, okay. I said, yeah, so I need this person there, 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 you know, and she pulled up their calendars, right? You could see them all on her computer and she goes, okay, this date and time would work best. I said, perfect. I went back, pulled the vice president of my company, and I said, hey, I need you to drive out the Dow, so we were driving 45 minutes to get to this appointment. We show up, and Jane, who's my vice president, goes, what are we taking with us? And I said, nothing, we're just going to have a conversation. Now, this is a you know Fortune 500 company that I've scheduled a, basically a meeting in their boardroom that none of them know why the hell they're meeting there. My boss doesn't know what I've just done. I'm a young punk kid, right? And we get there and sit down and all these people walk in the room and they have no idea what the meeting's about. They have no idea who really I am. I mean, they know we've passed in conversations. And as they sit down, I introduce myself, I introduce Jane, and I said, I understand you guys need some help with printing. Can you guys walk me through your printing issues? And for two seconds, they all look at me and they're like, who the hell are you? And then all of a sudden it snapped. One person said, "I we suck at this, that we need this, this is problem, and all this thing. And we walked away with a $50,000 transaction to now take all of, so they have all what they call the pink ladies, the Mary Kay ladies. Um, at the time, there was like 650,000 of them across the world. And they were manually printing business cards and it was a mess. We took it all, turned it into this digital print where we could variable print each card. And they could order in bulk and come all through. And we walked away with a major contract with these guys. Uh, first one, 50000 was a test run. Let's see if you guys can actually do what you say you can do, which I was totally happy to do. And I can remember leaving. Jane looked at me and she goes, what the hell are you thinking? I'm like, well, probably I wasn't. But the the point of this whole thing is that, yes, it's a fun sales call, but we didn't take anything with us. Yeah, we didn't, you know, go in there with a set game plan. Hell, my boss didn't even know why she was there and I brought her for clout. You know, you shouldn't go into a big sales call with that just yourself. Most times you should have a backup, even if you're not going to use them, you know, but, but, you know, even on big deals until, you know, the needs of an entire room, There's nothing to take in because because you're going to have to go into it and especially if it's going to be a multi-tiered sale, right? You're going to go into that sales conversation and, you know, it's going to be a team deal. And and each one of those conversations is going to have different needs and wants. And until you understand exactly what they're looking for, what their needs are, it's very hard to come back and present anything. Now, if you've gone through that, hell yeah, you should come back with a full presentation and do all that. But even that presentation, you're coming back and go, guys, I've got two options. I can tell you what we're gonna do, or I can roll the tape and we can watch the PowerPoint and I can take it through step by step. How do you want me to proceed? Right? Let them guide it. Right? Don't do it because it's comfortable for you. Do what they need, what their expectations are, and give them exactly what they're looking for.
0: Wow. I love that, Donnie. That's you're giving us so much gold today. And this is exactly <laughs> why I love doing this, because what you just said, the last 10, 15 minutes, whatever. You know, it takes people years to figure out. Oh, it. It, it
1: did me too. It did me too.
0: <laughs> so again, we're helping people. And, you know, look, I've picked up some tips today and I've been selling for 25 years, right? <laughs> so so I, I so appreciate that. And even though we, we may have heard this before in a different way, um, it's a great reminder, right? It's oh, thanks a, for a that. great reminder to take a step back and say, hold on, who am I really here for? I'm here for them. I'm here to serve. And you so eloquently put it in your words that uh, I'm just very appreciative of that. No,
1: thanks, dude. I appreciate it. You know, it's it's been fun. Um, You know, I spent that seven years in Sandler, and it taught me probably the most about sales. I mean, up until that point, you know, it was trial and error. You know, I would read a book, go to a conference, go someplace to learn sales, and I'd go out and I'd try it. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. So I defined my own rhythm and everything as I went through on my sales journey. But that last, you know, seven years really taught me a lot of the dynamics of a sales process, the dynamics of that sales conversation, the understanding the different personalities you're talking to, you know, the enterprise type sales where you're talking to the multiple different people and those type of transactions and, and, Guys, let me tell you is even though I may give you some of these golden nuggets, none of it means any value whatsoever unless you go get punched in the face by trying it, right? You've got to put the the action behind the words because most times you read a book, you go to a conference, you do whatever, you hear a guy like me talking, you hear a guy like Roger talking and you hear it and you're like, ah, that makes sense. And then you go away and you forget to put said thing into action and find some way, find some, some process for you that you can go, I'm going to try this on the next sales conversation. I'm going to go try this on the next networking business conversation so I can learn how to do it my style because going back to that early years sales for me, I was always trying to sell like the people in the books. I was trying to sell like the people on stages. I was trying to to emulate, I think that's the word, what they were doing and I wasn't being me. I, I didn't have my own process and style. So um, that's what added to the, the the transactional side of things. So show up as you. And what people don't understand when I say show up as you and, and understand that is I don't care what you geek out on. You could be into renaissance fairs. You could be a blacksmith on, as a hobby. You can be into cars. You know, maybe you're in the horses. I don't know. Whatever you're into, that needs to come up in conversation, not to brag or tell them that's what you do, but to let them know that they're dealing with another human being. And the best way to get that to come up in conversation is to figure out what the hell they're into, right? Everybody's got a thing, right? They've got something in their world that they completely geek out on. And part of our job is to understand that so we can connect with them and have these genuine and real conversations and get away from this whole transactional idea, Um and if you spend your time, dude, really, really, really diving into that, I mean, you can take the most hardcore egocentric CEO that walks into the room and goes, what the fuck do you got? And go, probably nothing. But we got two choices. I can just blab on about my company for the next half hour. We can have a real conversation. Or I can walk out. What's the choice? And, and, it's, and it's meeting them toe-to-toe in a genuine, relaxed you know, way and they'll usually laugh and go, okay, so why don't we start here? You've been running a business for 10 years. It's a multi-million-dollar corporation. You've been kicking ass. I've been watching the things you guys are doing. How the fuck have you pulled this off? And when you can meet them equal business stature and hit them with genuineness and real they'll come right back at you and you'll get them to mellow out and you'll have a real fun conversation. But it's cause you're going in there, you know, with two thought processes, thought process. Number one, you don't give a shit whether you win or lose, right? The thought process number two, I don't give a shit what he thinks about me. If you could do those two things, everything else will take care of itself. Um, there's a, a great scene in a movie, from first night. It's got Sean Connery on it. Um, and I always forget the guy who plays Lancelot, but he's a famous guy as well. And the movie starts off and there's Lancelot and he's in this courtyard, right? And he's got a sword in hand. And he's got a bag of coins over here and he's throwing them up and down. And he goes, you know, somewhere in the land, somebody is better than me. They can kick my ass in a sword duel. He goes, maybe it's here today. It's anybody want to try. So He's standing around there, people are looking, and all of a sudden this big mountain of a man steps out and goes, I can take you. So Lancelot's like, groovy, goes, are you any good? And this guy like chops this tree in half with his sword. So Lancelot's like, you just got to beat me, you don't have to kill me. When they go to the sword duel, and long story short, Lancelot de-swords the guy, the sword goes up in the air and he catches the guy's sword in his hands. And the big guy goes, holy hell, how the hell did you do that? He goes, this is a trick. And he goes, no, 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 this is just how I fight. And the big guy's like, dude, you've got to teach me this. Teach me how to freaking fight like this. And Lancelot looks at him and goes, I can't teach you this. And the guy goes, no, 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 I'm willing to learn. I'll do anything. You've got to teach me. He goes, okay, there's three things. Number one, you've got to train harder than anybody else in the world. The big guy's like, got it. I can do that. Number two, you've got to be willing to have the patience to wait for the exact moment to where you make your move and strike. The big guy's like, I can do that. Third, you got to not give a shit whether you live or die. And you see the dude just freaking melt and walk away. And the point of that is, is when you're in a sales conversation, you're in that sales moment, you got to not give a shit whether you live or die. That sales call is never going to make or break you, right? It's never going to be the one that sends your business to the next thing. It's just a damn conversation with an outcome. Quit being so attached to you have to get a yes on this because I got to pay my bills or you have to get a yes on this because I need to scale the business or I have to get a yes for... Fuck it. Go in there and get the no. Disqualify these people. Go in there with the mindset of, can I disqualify the person I'm sitting across from? So, So they will prove to me that we'll be a good fit and it'll change the dynamic of that conversation. But so many people... They're like, please tell me what I'm worth. I've got to close this deal. Will you like me so I can close this deal? And they blow the whole thing because their nerves come up and they become that jackass salesperson that nobody wants to deal with. Man,
0: wow, Donnie. Just, I uh, love that example, <laughs> I mean, again, just great stuff. People are really gonna learn from this. And folks, I mean, this, this is one of our most powerful episodes when it comes to life lessons in sales. And sales is everywhere. Whether yeah. you're you know, a salesperson or whatever position you are in your company, all these valuable tips are are relevant across the board. Agreed. Okay. So a couple questions. I want to keep rolling with this. It's just so good. How important is it for people to be good listeners when they're in their meeting, uh, to let that person talk, let the person tell their story. Let's start there.
1: You know, I'm going to change it from good listener. I think the greatest skill that a salesperson, anybody in a sales conversation should have, the greatest skill is the ability to ask the right questions. Because, you know, most people don't wrap their head around that they're supposed to listen because they don't always understand what they're supposed to be listening for. For for me, I want to go in and be able to ask the questions that make people go, oh, holy shit, I've never thought about it that way right? I want to ask the questions that, that for years, people have taught overcome objections, overcome objections, overcome objections. Dude, the only person that can overcome a fucking objection objection is the person who has the objection. (laughs) If you get an objection, it's because you lost an authentic conversation somewhere along the way and you did not connect with that person. And one of the coolest ways to connect is asking the right and proper questions. You know, and so there's quite, because I know people always ask me like tactically, what questions are those? And I mean, you know, some of them are, why am I sitting here today? You know, in this moment of time, we're sitting down, getting ready to talk about what my business does, this business, your business does. But truthfully, why did you invite me in here? You know, and you'll be amazed, guys. It's like, think about your, any interview you've ever had in your life. And in during an interview, I can't ask if you're married. I can't ask if you have kids. I can't ask, you know, what your backgrounds are. It's very, very, you know, HR centric type things. But I can look right at you and say, tell me your story. And whatever you tell me is fair game. It's the same thing on a sales call. If you go in there with the mindset of I've got to understand what makes them work and function and you're going to do it by staying behind the eight ball and continuing to ask questions to uncover their world, you're going to change the game of that sales conversation because you're going to go in and when they say things like, you know, we're looking at, you know, four or five vendors of possibly moving forward with that, gently say, I appreciate you telling me that you know, why me? Why am I sitting at this table? What did you see in my company, my brand, my anything that makes sense that, that we would be having this conversation and you'll see them go, you'll, you'll flip the script cause they're expecting you to come in and start punching them in the face with your presentation and you'll see them take a step back and go, well, well, let me tell you, this is what we like. This is what we like. This is what like, cool. Why do you like those things? What is it? And now you're just down this journey to uncover. And guys, they'll tell you everything you need to know. You just got to get curious as hell and keep asking the questions to uncover and understand what exactly what they're looking for. Because truth be told, most companies that are out looking for stuff don't know exactly what they need. You're the expert, not them. Right? So, so get in there, get your hands dirty and just ask a shit ton of questions. That'll fix all the listening issues.
0: Wow. That's, that's never heard it said that way again. So wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Now tips for some salespeople, how do they differentiate? Okay. Um, here I am, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are, right? But how do you differentiate yourself as a salesperson? How do you offer value? What happens if the company that you're trying to sell really isn't ready? What are some of the things they could do,
1: but really, how do you stand out as a salesperson? You know, the biggest, The only way to really stand out is being you, right? Because nobody can be you. (coughs) Excuse me. That's the only differentiator. (coughs) Sorry about that. That's the only differentiator in this world is is you being authentically you. And a couple of fun maneuvers you can do. And the number one is guts. You gotta go into everything, be willing to do the things that others won't like walk away from a deal. You've gotta be willing to to ask the tough questions. You gotta be willing to fall on the sword. If that sales call you're in is going completely south, one, it's 100% your fault. Own it and tell them, hey, you know, somewhere along the way, we lost this connection and, and it doesn't feel like this conversation is moving forward. Can you help me understand where I screwed up? And you'll be amazed that the more real and genuine you are in that moment. Because growing up, nobody told me to be real. Nobody told me to be, you know, a human being. It was you walk into a room and you put your salesperson outfit on, and and you become this different person because in our head, we all have this picture of what a salesperson should look like. So we're like, okay, I'm gonna be that person. But if you'll just go in and are authentically you, and what I mean by authentically you is you should never have to remember what you said because it's just you, it's just your story. It's just who you are. You shouldn't walk away from that conversation going, what the hell did I just promise them? You know, it should be just so genuine. And when you, people in business, especially if you're, especially if you're in the C-suite type stuff, people are so blown away by this because they're already prepared for the flinch of that conversation. The people who are buying are walking into that room, they're geared up, man. It's like, all right, we're going to do the sales call. They're not getting me. And and the the salespeople are coming in, they're all freaking geared up, and they're walking into the room, they're like, I'm gonna get this one, right? And and that that raw authenticness, the genuineness behind that conversation when it happens. It is so a a beautiful connection with an individual that it allows you to just be you. But the reason people don't do this is because of a couple things. One, who they are at home, they're embarrassed by to show that they are the rest of the world their bad habits their whatever maybe they drink too much maybe they smoke maybe they you know whatever they're into they're worried that people if they saw them with their hair down they would not like what they see and what the crazy thing is is the opposite of that is true opposite yeah. yeah you know it's it blows me away so guts and being authentically yourself and, and that's your biggest differentiators
0: Okay. Now we have to shift and we, I would really love to learn more about your story. We've talked about <laughs> getting to know the, you know, the story of our potential clients. Let's get to know Donnie a little bit better. What you you really like growing up on that farm? Cause it, it's hard for 99% of this country or this world to even relate to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No it's fun. Thank you for that. I don't often get to talk about that. So, you know, dad was a truck driver, mom worked in factories and stuff. So, you know, early, early childhood was we, we went where the work was and we ended up in Kansas and in, in Kansas, we had a 500 acre farm. Now, let me clarify. We rented the house on that 500 acre farm. We didn't own that farm. Um, and, but we had a couple of stock ponds in the back. We had a, a Creek or the magazine river that ran the whole backside of our property. So we didn't have a lot of the games and stuff. So, you know, a lot of time we were spent in the back of horses, you know, we did four H and which was building crafts and doing these fairs and, and uh, doing things like barrel racing and pole bending and stuff as a kid. And it was small, small town USA where everybody knew everybody. And for me growing up, a couple of things that I really loved about that time was how cool my imagination got because we didn't have all the stuff and the toys I mean we were my closest neighbor was over a mile down the road and you know so out there I and that was my best friend at the time lived about a mile away a little over a mile away and so when he'd come over you know his parents would drop him off the house we'd be out in the back side of the farm hanging out in the woods and you know we're it's, it's make-believe land, man land you know we're building medieval armies and taking on, you know, monsters and trolls and 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 it I think that's a lot of my as I grew up and my love for like Harry Potter stuff and my love for the Lord of the Rings and all this fantasy stuff came from was this childhood spent in my head imagining, you know, uh, who I was, you know, trying to be what the weird thing happened is when we when it was around 11 years old, we moved to Texas and we moved to the suburbs. So I went from a class where I think altogether my class had 70 students in it. My brother, if he would have graduated, would have had like 28, you know, kids graduating. I mean, literally when we left Kansas elementary through 12th grade, were in one building, you know, so that's how small town we moved to Texas where my classroom was like 30 kids, my class was, you know, a couple of hundred. Get to high school, I've got almost 2,000 kids in my class. Shocking. So, yeah, I mean, so I was this country boy that, you know, all my clothes were, of course, my older brother's stuff. You know, we weren't buying new things, we were, you know, living off of what little means we had. So now, here I am in, you know, shirts that are a little bit too big, I'm wearing glasses, you know, I got blue jeans that are beat up because two older brothers wore them, and I'm showing up in these schools where there's designer bags and there's, there's, you know, all this stuff. So there was this instant disconnect. I just didn't fit in. And so I had to find my tribe and and my people. So I ended up hanging out with the long haired people, the punk rockers and, you know, and that became my crowd. And, but you know, that, transition through a lot of that you know there's a lot of funny stories i mean like i made it through high school because the teachers didn't want me back i mean literally i had teachers walking up to me going we're making sure you get a pass oh by the way you get an a in english because i don't want you back and you know so there's a lot of funny stories wrapped around there and you know from from there I, straight after that i went to the marine corps and you know uh, the marine corps was And I tell everybody, you know, at that moment, that's where it really, I started my journey of not making my own choices in life because I was constantly taking the choices that were just in front of me, not, not choosing a path. Like the old choose your own adventure books, right? I was literally just doing the next thing. My oldest brother had gone off to the Marine Corps and I was going nowhere in life. I graduated high school with no game plan, no, uh, dude, my GPA, whatever the hell it's called, was like 2.18. I mean, it was just an inch above, you know, actually getting through high school. And I mean, my junior and senior year, I only worked a half. I mean, I went to school a half day. I worked a half a day because I just despised school. Uh, It was, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. You know, so it's, it's been a wild journey to, to get here, and I, I appreciate you letting me share some of that.
0: Absolutely, and thank you for your service to our country. Uh, oh, my honor, my honor. Marine Corps, wow, uh, I, I believe the toughest of the tough. I'm sure <laughs> training was uh, not easy. No,
1: the one thing I will say to that is they take the roughest dudes across the world, and they're like, all right, we're gonna put 50 of you in a room don't break nothing, <laughs> it's never a good plan. Never a good plan, but, but it's shaped a lot about me. I, I appreciate that journey. Man. Okay, thanks for sharing that. Let's talk about a couple of things that
0: are important to you. I know you talk about um, 40 years of living other people's dreams. Mm-hmm. And you may have touched on this a little bit in, in your earlier discussion, but really, what does
1: that mean? You know, uh, I was 40 years old I was the partner in that Sandler training franchise and I was in the process of buying my business partner out. We were going to do a seven figure deal over five years and we had gone out to dinner to celebrate the successes we'd found and the things we were doing and we're getting geared up for, you know, the next year. And, and we were having a great dinner, phenomenal conversation. And he looked at me genuinely and he looked me in the eyes and he said, Donnie, I got to tell you, Thank God, you're my retirement plan. And when he said it, I didn't fully comprehend it, and I'm I, and I'm I and i i do not know exactly what I said, but I'm I'm almost positive I looked at him and said, "It's been my honor. It's been a hell of a run. I really enjoy working with you. You know, I, I this has been awesome." But I remember when I got in my truck, I sat there and I'm like, "Why is this bothering me so much? Why is this just grating at me?" And then it hit. Holy shit! I am somebody else's retirement plan. Now I, I want to give him total props. The guy is a phenomenal fucking guy. He is an amazing, dude. And he really said it out of genuine love. I mean, he was so appreciative of of me and that moment in life. And uh, uh, I'll love him forever for it. I mean, I learned so much from that guy. And and but when I sat in my my truck and I, it, it was just like somebody had taken a sledgehammer and just slammed it in my face because I had realized, and it's like my entire journey flashed before me. You know, I, I, freaking went to the Marine Corps. My brother did. I got out of the Marine Corps. I went to work for a best friend and his dad because it was there. You know, I got recruited to go up to St. Louis to work up there. I worked there for a time. I came back home. after nine 11, couldn't find a job. Everybody, all my friends were bartending. So I went bartending after bartending. I found commercial printing because I was offered behind the bar, you know, sales training. I was picked up, you know, no point in my life had I ever said, this is what I want to be. This is what I want to do. This is who I want to become. I was constantly just choosing what was in front of me. And at that point I decided enough was enough. And it was from that conversation to 15 days exactly later, I walked away from it all the partnership, the income, you know, the lifestyle. I mean, uh, and the jackass move that I tell everybody because I want people not to do the same thing I did It's that same 15 days. It's also the same day. I told my wife I was doing all this. So we, there was no planning with her, and and people often ask me, like, did you do that because you were worried she was going to say no? I had to tell everybody, I was like, no, I was worried that she would say, finally, proud of you, well done, now make this shit work. And what happened when I actually told her was, uh, she said, babe, this scares the hell out of me, which I love her for that that honesty. She's like, just make it work, mm. you know, and and I love that that I had that at that moment. what a
0: powerful story
1: let's talk about people that are in the same
0: position as you male Mm -hmm. or female and they're not getting that from their spouse they need it right and they want it they're waiting but they're not getting it is there anything you could think of do they talk about that
1: yeah so can they say (laughs) please hit me
0: me to go do i mean this is a grant cardone story
1: yeah well you know here's the thing Um, Jim Rohn, who I think was one of the best motivational speakers of all times. Uh, if you guys don't know who Jim is, he's the one that actually taught Tony Robbins everything he's done. Um, Jim on one of his tapes and I was guy, I mean, I was devouring everything as I was going through sales and learning it all. And there's on one of his tapes and it's one of the tapes that, that has Zig Ziglar and, and just some amazing guys on it. And Jim's out there and he's in front of the crowd. And he looks at the crowd, and he says, I got a question for every one of you. In a marriage, what's the percent ratio, husband and wife, that you owe that marriage? And I remember being in my truck, and even in my truck, I'm like, it's 50-50, right? 50% the husband, 50% the wife, and people in the crowd were doing the same thing, and I'm playing along, because when I listen to those things, I was all into them. And Jim, and his voice, and you can only hear his voice, because he's got a great voice. He pauses and goes, no, it's not 50-50, it's 100-100. And I had to pause for two seconds and went, how the fuck can it be 100-100? And he goes, dude, you can have no expectations from your spouse, you gotta give everything. It's on them to give everything. So if you're not getting it from your spouse, I'm gonna challenge you to look hard inside and go, how hard are you investing into them? How hard are you you looking at them and going, knowing everything? What makes them rock? What lights them the fuck up? What turns them the fuck on? You know, what, what is just absolutely, I mean, if, if you get into your spouse, like really get into your spouse, you'll see it come back. But, but it's like a sales call. You've got to go into it without the expectations of shit. You've got to go into it because you genuinely love, adore, and want to get them where they want to go in life. If you flip that fucking script and quit going into it, I need this, it's like going into a sales call saying, i got to close this deal. You're going to fucking lose. It's
0: uh, life, right? It's life, and both yep. examples are, are so relevant. And man, again, this we did not plan to have that come out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks oh, for that, dude.
0: Wonderful. Okay, podcasting. <laughs> how did podcasting save your business? And let, let's just talk about we we both do it, right?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, 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 totally. It the
0: most wonderful thing in the world. But let's oh. talk about your journey and and how it really saved your business.
1: So interesting is I. Literally, and if people have heard my story anywhere else, the first time you've ever heard my story, I'll give you a quick synopsis. At six months into running my business, I ran straight into the ground. Um, I was a good sales guy; I knew how to sell. Problem is, as my entire career was spent being the sales guy, not the operations guy, not the accounting guy, not the 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 business delivery guy. You know, I was the sales guy, so I go get the deals done. That was my job if something went south after the deal was done, I'd come in and nurture the client, right? That was my role. Now, I was in a spot that I could sell. But after that sale, it was, oh shit, what do I do now? And I was having to figure out, you know, how to do operations and, oh God, I gotta do billing. Oh hell, now nah, there's taxes. And, you know, there's all this stuff and, and, and it was just me. And I, I had nobody to give it to, so I had to figure it out and I was horrible at it. And so I kept getting to a spot where I'd close a bunch of business and then I would service that business because of course now you've got to deliver on what you sold and, and it would, then I'd have nothing chasing it, no business behind it because I was servicing what I'd sold. And so it was April of 2018. Yeah, 2018. I and uh, I was freaking... Uh, looking at my wife, I'd made the turn from after running my business into the ground. I made the turn and I was starting to come out of it. And a, a guy offered me an opportunity to speak on a pretty big stage. And I looked at my wife and I said, babe, this is this is that moment, right? This is going to be that thing for me. And I'm going to leave everything I fucking have on the stage. And um, I think it's Bruce Springsteen or or one of those guys that says every performance you should, you know, do like it's your last performance. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do on that stage. And so I went out there and I walked into my story, dude, and I completely fucking unleashed. And when I walked off that stage, I'm just exhausted, completely droned out, exhausted. And I'm doing the nice things, you know, saying hi to everybody. The whole time I'm just thinking, Holy cow, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. And this guy walks up to me. He goes, Donnie, I love your story. I was, I was talking a lot about my sales journey at that point. And he goes, would you come tell your story on my podcast? And I looked right at him. I said, what the fuck's a podcast? <laughs> and, and he explained to me, he's like, dude, it's like talk radio, but I'll get to ask you questions about your journey and your story. And I'm like, all right, cool. That sounds fun. I've never done that. Let's, let's have some fun. So we go on, we have a great fucking time. And after it airs, somebody reaches out to me and asked about my services in my company and I ended up, they become a client of mine. And I went, Whoa, I can go on podcast and get business, hold my beard, watch this shit, dude. I started getting on every freaking show I could find. And, 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 uh, I happened to get on a really bad show. The host was fucking horrible and I'll never say his name is cause his show is still out there. I don't know how, uh, but, but, when I got on that bad show, I'm like, dude, if this guy can have any success doing this, I'm going. So I launched my show in May of 2018, uh, Success Champions, Uh, Three months in, I hit top 200 overall in iTunes. Uh, Five, I was just gonna be top 200 in business. Three months in, five months in, I hit top 200 charts overall. And uh, I think two things that people always ask me how that happened. And I think two things happened is I was interviewing people because I wanted to understand the stories, and because I wanted to understand how they were finding success in business and how they were able to overcome the things through life. And so it was so genuine for me to really get in and get to know people that, that it really took off. And then the end of 18, I got invited to speak in Ireland on podcasting, which was just a fucking cool thing. I could take my wife and we could do all that. And then as more and more as I was getting on more podcasts and getting on more stages and things, people started asking me questions on how I built my business. And, and so that started everything down, path where I'm in. But how it saved my business is really, really simple. I was getting the opportunity to interview some of the biggest names in the world. Um, You know, Neil Patel, Shailene Johnson, Patrick Bet-David, John Gordon, Mike Michalowicz, you know, some of these really cool guys and gals out there that have, have a great brand. And I realized that I couldn't bring them on the show and have it be a shit show. I mean, I couldn't, you know, not have processes and systems and a team behind me. So first thing I did is I found somebody to edit the podcast. Second thing I did is I found, you know, some automation to bring in all the processes and procedures in. And what I was didn't know at the time until I look back on it, I was teaching myself how to run a business all because of podcasting. You know, how do I do billing and you know for all this stuff? How do I make sure everybody gets paid? And and it literally taught me the systems, the processes, taught me that me as a person is not scalable. You have to have a team behind you to freaking scale. And it literally kept churning and churning and churning, and I was finding success and I found my business inside of podcasting, which led to because as I was telling my journey, people kept coming up. They're like, how have you built this? You know, how have you put this all together? And then I started teaching small business owners to do what I've done. And, and they, the small business owners really liked this idea that I kept telling them. I'm like, look, I can't get you to a million dollar company. My company's not a million dollars, but I can get you to a six figure company. Let's go that far. Right. And as I involve, I'll, I'll keep teaching what I'm learning along the lines. And and they just gobbled that up. And that's how we continue to grow this whole thing out, built the Facebook group, built the magazine um, and continue to churn and grow. And of course, all the way up to the Badass Business Summit.
0: Wow. And yeah, we'll talk about that in a second and, and wait to hear more about that. But Donnie, the, the, the one thing that I think about as you tell that is for the first time in your life, you're living your dream.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh,
0: wonderful. how wonderful. Okay. Totally. Um, failing better. You'd like to talk <laughs> about that.
1: So uh, the original idea behind this isn't mine. So the, gosh, I'm, I'm so mad that I forget his name, but the guy who plays Tyrion Lannister on Game of Thrones. Um, um, oh, I wish I could give him credit for this, because I know it's his same. But he does a a uh, speech for like the college he went through, right? He comes back and he's the, whatever the, I don't do the college thing, but he's the final speaker for the college people graduating. And the speech is probably like 30 minutes long. You can forget the entire speech, but one little section right at the end and at the end he stands up there and he looks at the room and he goes, fail better, fail again and fail again and fail better. And I'm like, and I remember the first time you said that, I went, oh shit, that's the answer. And as I looked at my business, I started looking back on the successes I had and the successes I had came from going in and trying something, knowing it's gonna fucking break and doing it anyway. And I was already at that point telling the team, dude, we're gonna give this a go. And it may not work, but look what we get to learn trying it out. And that stuff's cost me thousands of dollars over this run. But man, this whole company has evolved because we're willing to go get punched in the face by life and keep moving forward. I mean, Rocky Balboa, hands down, greatest quote in the entire world is life is not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can take a hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And that's what we were doing is instead of avoiding the things that freaked us out, instead of avoiding the stuff we didn't want to do, we stepped into the fucking fire and, and man, there was a couple times in my business, we got damn near knocked the fuck out as we're moving forward and progressing and growing and doing more things. But every time we got knocked down, we looked at the situation going, all right, what the fuck did we just learn? How do we do it better? How do we improve? What's the process? What's the system behind this so we can continue to move forward and progress forward. And it just, the, perfect combination of failing better it's it's literally going into life going all right what can we do bigger than we're doing now how can we start going in that direction and i know we're going to talk about the summit in a second but that's the whole idea how this summit came about was let's go do something that's so big that we've got no choice but to fucking learn you know because no one else is going to do the heavy lifting. It's on us to figure this out. And I'm going to be the, the champion out front with the freaking swords up and everything else. Let's charge after this fucking thing and make it happen. Yeah, that's no, it, man.
0: That's awesome. Let's stay right there. Let's talk about this badass business <laughs> stuff that you've never done before. Nope. You've headed out this big hall. Yeah. Fill this up and, and you only have, what, a month and a half?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Till we, till we, so so what happened is um, one of the things I did when I launched the podcast was I started a Facebook group because I felt like the, the show needed a community and I wanted a place for everybody to hang out. So I started the Success Champions Facebook group same time as right around the same time as the podcast. And it's grown and it's totally become family now. And in that group, I do a thing every Friday called the champion's happy hour where I'll sit usually with a glass of Captain Morgan and I will talk about the week. And sometimes I interview people and it's just a lot of fun. And we get, you know, 20 to 50 people watching this thing. And it's funny. My family watches along with me uh, and they're making wise facts. I'm losing my shit. We're always laughing all the way through it. It's It's a fun time. And a lot of times I'll teach different things and, you know, things going on with the business. And and it was during, well, first of all, they used to kept asking for more content and that's how the magazine came about is one of my team looked at me and said, you know, they keep asking for more content. Why don't we do a magazine? And I'm like, we're not doing a magazine. Who the fuck reads a magazine? And they're like, well, you know, we can do it digitally. We can do it online. We can give it a go. So I'm like, all right, this is on you. y'all, y'all figure this shit out. You, you know, if you want to do this, y'all figure this, if it works, cool. If it doesn't work, cool. And they did it first issue. We got 3,600 subscribers. Um, and now we've we're three issues in getting ready to launch the fourth one here in March. And we're up to 5,900 subscribers to the magazine. It's Who the 10. fuck knew? Oh. <laughs> I, it, I still, it, it still cracks me up that that many people are into it. Um, but I love it, and 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 it's done amazing things for the business. But it was also during one of these happy hours that one of the gals watching the show goes, "Hey Donnie, I've got a speak at engagement for you down in Corpus Christi, Texas." And I'm like, "Cool, that'd be fun. Send me the details, and you know we'll figure it out." Well, everybody else was watching. We're like, "Well, we want to see you speak live. Why don't we just do a big Success Champions meetup down in Corpus Christi?" And I'm like all right, well, that'll be fun. We'll just bring, you know, we'll bring all the champions. We'll crash Corpus Christi and have a good time. And it was after we got the call, I'm like, why the fuck are we going to do it in Corpus Christi? I live in Fort Worth. That's five hours south of me. So I put the team together. I said, okay, we're not doing Corpus Christi. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't called the Badass Business Summit. They all wanted to call it Donnie Con. And I'm like, dude, we are not calling this thing Donnie Con. And some of them still call it Donnie Con. I'm but, sure. No um so so we i got the team together i'm like let's do it in fort worth but if we're gonna do it let's see how big we can do it and so we rented out the Hearst convention center and uh, i've got 12 speakers coming in from across the u.s some of the badasses that that i've shared today, some of the biggest names in business development and so it's every gonna be everything from how to write your book? How to get on stages? How to get on podcasts? How to get, automate your sales? You know systems? How to bet on you? I mean, uh, it, it's amazing everything we've put together. And oh, by the way, everybody should know um, we came up with this idea three months ago. Unbelievable. So we gave ourselves four months to pull off this massive fucking conference. Um, Sometimes
0: that's what it takes, right? We have, oh, dude, we have to push our limits.
1: Yeah. And and my team thinks I'm crazy because, you know, you and I were talking about this a little bit just so everybody can understand kind of the mindset of what happens with an entrepreneur is not only do we have this big ass summit going on, but my book launches next week, right? Um, We got the magazine. My next issue from my magazine is due in two weeks. I've got goats that are all pregnant, getting ready to drop, you know, kids on the ground. Um, and, and, you know, I'm still running a full business with all of our clients because what we do is we help people become the face of the company by getting them on sh- uh, podcast, by helping them automate their sales systems, getting them on stage, write their book. We bring all those assets together for them. And, you know, in the midst of doing all of this, you know, uh, you know, now, you know, let's put a big ass summit together and I'm already looking at the team. I'm like, cool, we're going to do this one. Can we do it again in the fourth quarter? <laughs> there they're all like, can we get through this one first? But um, it's wild. But but to your point, the only way you get anywhere in life is by doing the exact things you fear. I truly believe that anytime a fear pops up in your life, it's the universe saying, go that direction. Now, I'm not talking about fears for your life-threatening situation. What I'm talking about is it can be as simple as maybe you're at a networking event and you see the person in your across the room that could be that ideal client for you. It's at that moment when you're thinking, God, what is that person going to think of me that you step into it, right? And that's that failing better. It's, it's, let's go make the first move. Let me go say, hi, let me just introduce myself. Or maybe it's getting on that stage. Maybe it's getting on that podcast. Maybe it's For once in your life, sharing your fucking story and your own journey of where you've been, not to to just share it because your story told now is going to be somebody else's survival guide as they're going through it, right? And and it's the ability to, to lean into that fucking fear. And it's never about overcoming that fear. It's always about who you become going through it. And that to me is is the magic of of everything in life. And so well said, Donnie.
0: Uh if you were to take your cell phone out right now and call that twenty year old Donnie, (laughs)
1: what would you tell him? You know, part of me really wants to say I wouldn't tell him nothing because it shaped me everywhere I am. The other part of me is like I would have told him to bet on him a lot sooner. You know, the the difference being is when I was 40 and made the leap to launch my own business and made the leap to, to try and build my world versus somebody else's, and there was a lot of responsibilities attached with that. I mean, I had a wife, I had the farm, the houses, the cars, you know, there, I mean, the, my my family is never a replaceable thing, I and mean, all the houses and cars could be, but there's a lot more pressure on yourself the older you get, because you take on responsibilities that probably even shouldn't be responsibilities, right? So the only thing I would have really said was one: I wish I would have started a business a hell of a lot sooner. I, I I laugh and a lot of my entrepreneur buddies that we hang out with, we all joke because a lot of us starters later in life in our businesses is man, how fucking big would our brands and our businesses be if we only did this twenty years ago, and you know but that's the other side of it is, is constantly reminding ourselves that hey you know I'm two and a half years into running a business now and you know and still growing and still figuring things out um you know because a lot of people get into that comparison game, they're like, "Man, but somebody's doing so fucking awesome." No, they're not doing so fucking awesome. They've been doing this shit for ten or twenty years. They've got freaking runway on you, you know. So keep everything in perspective. But but yeah, that would be the biggest thing: is is start a business earlier, bet on yourself, go go meet you. By and and man, the younger you are, the less you got to lose. So so get in the game.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Donnie, we're going to drop all the links of your book, of the summit, your website. Uh, But if people say, look, I have to connect with Donnie, how do? what's the best way to reach you?
1: So the, there's two fun ways that you can really get to me. Uh, The easiest one is go to dot com um, and, and hang out there. But man, if you jump on Facebook, uh, because I spend most of my time there because of the success champions group, um, or LinkedIn, either way, send me a direct message, you know, I'll respond, you know, connect with me, whatever. Um, if my friends list is almost at the 5,000 mark, but, um, you know, connect me, send me a message. I will, I will get back to you, you know, or come or come join the success champions, Facebook group. I mean, um, you just go to Facebook, type in success champions up in the search bar, click on groups and come hang out. Um, it's fun. It it's, family and we continue to grow as, as I continue to go big and loud with my brand but please please uh, send me an email I don't care connect with me I, you're gonna get a response from me
0: and he will folks because that's how we connected <laughs> I'm, uh, you know I could attest to that. Oh, Andy, one that Last question I ask every guest and first of all I want to thank you so much for your time this oh is my honor a, a golden episode many many people are going to benefit from this including myself But before I let you go, one last question. At the end of the day, you have a lot of life to live. What do you want your legacy to be?
1: You know, I want people to say he taught us how to do everything he's done. You know, because a lot of my journey I was spent, uh, it's all about me. It's you know I I wanted accolades I wanted the acknowledgements I want people to really say that he came back and taught us what he did and 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 that's what I'm trying to do with, with everything is is take the knowledge the things I'm learning and give it back to everybody else and then, and uh, that's been a wild journey because for me it's been fun to teach but it's also been a process to learn how to explain what I've done to others. And that's the thing is, is man, I, I really hope at the end of the day, I've hit my big ass vision, which is, I really, I wanna get to a million small business owners and help them find business freedom. And, and that's why we're doing all the things that we're doing is because if I can help those million, manage how many lives are gonna change, And how many people they're going to impact. I mean, small business is the backbone of any country. You know, and and the fact that in this day and age, it's never been easier to get in the game, start your business. You know, you better have patience. You better have grit. You better be willing to get punched in the face. But, man, uh, uh, I hope I can be a guide for just enough people that I can leave a huge dent in this world because I went loud enough. That's it. That's it.
0: Love it. Donnie Oveen, you are a success champion. Thank you so much. Welcome to the American Real family, and we will definitely be watching you closely.
1: Thanks, brother. I appreciate that.
0: Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one on one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy where we have self help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.